Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. We all want to meet Jesus face to face one day, but there is coming a meeting with Jesus in which we will not want to take part. Today, we continue looking at the Apostle John's vision as written in the book of Revelation. If you can, please turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 20 as John begins his message, The Great White Throne Judgment. Earlier this week, my dad was telling me a story how when he was growing up in a small church in Georgia that, you know, in those country churches sometimes before they take up the offering, the pastor will call on a deacon or somebody else in the church to lead a prayer. And there was a man in that church whose last name was Shackelford, and so the pastor often would call on him and say, Brother Shackelford, would you lead the offertory prayer today? And he certainly would. And my dad said when he was you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, the thing that he remembers about Brother Shackelford's prayer was at the end of the prayer, he would always say, now God, keep us safe until we stand before you at the great white throne judgment. Of course, when at that age, he didn't really know what that meant or understand that, but Now, he certainly does, and many of us do, and some of you might not be familiar with the great white throne judgment, but let me say about Brother Shackelford, he was undoubtedly a good man who had a pure heart, but that was a bad prayer, because no one wants to stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and I think in about 30 minutes from now, we'll understand better why that is a true statement. And so we are going to be thinking this morning about the great white throne judgment. Maybe that's something you're familiar with. For many here today, it's probably something you've never even heard of because it's not something that is talked about very much in settings like this. And yet, as we're working our way through the book of Revelation, we have come to the passage this morning where we're dealing with the great white throne judgment. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, if you would open them, please, to the book of Revelation. If you forgot your Bible at home today, that's okay. There's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. Revelation chapter number 20, and beginning in verse number 11, we're going to read about a vision that the apostle John had. That's what this whole book is about. It's about a vision that John had of future events, and one of those future events is known as the great white throne judgment. So Revelation chapter 20, let's begin in verse number 11. And if you have found that 11th verse, would you let it be known by saying amen today so I can know that we're all together. Okay, that was a really weak amen, but we'll hope it gets better as it goes. Revelation 20 verse number 11. Then I saw a great white throne. They are the words that we're focusing on this morning. That word great tells us that it is awesome. The word white tells us that it is pure. And the word throne tells us that it is a judgment. And so that's what it is. It is an awesome, pure judgment. And John said, and I saw him who sat on it. 
from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now, verse 15 is a very serious verse. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so today we're thinking about the great white throne judgment. Now, it's interesting. Earlier this week when I was beginning this sermon, I came up with six questions that I thought we could build this study around. And I thought if we can answer those six questions, then at the end of it, we'll have a pretty good idea of what the great white throne judgment is. But as the week went on and I continue to think about this sermon, I thought, you know, I really think that I would be wise today just to deal with four of those questions and for us to come back next Sunday and think about questions questions five and six. And so today, we're just going to be dealing with the first four questions. But I think by asking these questions, it helps us understand what is the great white throne judgment. So question number one is, when will this judgment take place? When is it going to happen? Well, it's going to happen after the millennium. Now, if you were here last week and even the week before that, you know that we've been studying about a period of time that will one day happen on the earth after the second coming of Jesus, after he comes back at the Battle of Armageddon. We did three sermons on the Battle of Armageddon. Jesus will set up his kingdom in Jerusalem for a thousand years. The Latin word there is millennium, but it doesn't mean million. It means a thousand years. And for for a thousand years, there will be peace on the earth. There will be no war. There will be no conflict. There will be no strife. We read that during that thousand-year period, the wolf will lay down with the lamb. Children will play with snakes. Uh, Water will come out from underneath the temple in Jerusalem, flowing into the Dead Sea, bringing life to that dead body of water. We read that during the millennium, in the desert, that is in southern Israel today, uh, the desert will blossom like a rose. It's going to be an unbelievable time. During those thousand years, there are two reasons that's going to be so great. Number one, Jesus is on the earth in charge, and he's ruling and reigning. But also, during these thousand years, Satan will be in a bottomless pit. He will be in a place of punishment known as the abyss or the shaft, and for a thousand years, he will be there. We saw last week that at the end of those thousand years, Satan will come out of, he will be brought out of the bottomless pit, and he will go to deceive people who are living on the earth at that time. Now, As we saw last week, the people he will deceive will be people that were born during the millennium or who will be born during the millennium, who even though outwardly they submit to Christ's reign on the earth and they're not breaking his laws, but in their heart they've never been changed, they've never been saved, they've never been born again. And so after Satan comes out of that bottomless pit, he will deceive them, but after a brief time of deception, God will pronounce a final judgment on Satan. And look in verse 10, because here we find how Satan's life as we know it ends. Now, this is Lucifer, 
once an angel in heaven who rebelled against God, who was cast out of heaven. There we have him in the Garden of Eden when he emerged on the stage of human history, deceiving Adam and Eve. He has wreaked havoc through the centuries. He goes about, the Bible says, like a roaring lion today, seeking whom he may devour. Jesus called him a thief. He said, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so every war, every conflict, every disease, every problem, every heartache can be traced back directly or indirectly to Satan. And in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, we read his fate. Notice what it says. The devil who deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, that's a description of hell, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so at this point in the future, Satan will go to hell and he will be there forever. Immediately after he goes to hell, the great white throne judgment happens. Notice in verse 10, the devil goes to hell. In verse 11, we're reading about the great white throne judgment. So in answer to question one, when will it happen? After the millennium, after the devil goes to hell. Now, question number two is interesting to me. Maybe you've never thought about it, or maybe you have, but where will this judgment take place? Now, to be honest with you, I've always kind of imagined that the great white throne judgment would take place in heaven. Because after all, that's where God's throne is today, right? God is seated on His throne in heaven. Jesus Christ is seated at the Father's right hand. And so I guess in my mind, I had just always imagined that the great white throne judgment would take place in heaven. But the more I've thought about it, the more I've read about it, the more I've learned about it, we, we discover that the great white throne judgment cannot take place. It will not take place in heaven because, remember, at the great white throne judgment, the people being judged are unsaved people. And so it would make no sense for unsaved people to go to heaven to be judged. Unsaved people are not going to go to heaven for any reason. And so the judgment cannot and will not take place in heaven. And so we're left to ask, well, where will it be? Well, you would say, I would naturally say, well, if it can't be on heaven, it must be on earth. And maybe it will take place on earth, but it all depends by what John meant in verse number 11 by a phrase he made. Look at it again. He said, I saw a great white throne, him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Now, if John literally meant that when the great white throne judgment takes place, that it is so awesome, so holy, so uh, astounding, that literally heaven and earth are going to fade away and pass away and be gone from the scene during this judgment. If he meant that literally, then the judgment couldn't take place on earth because earth will have faded away. But if he meant that in a, you know, if he's using hyperbole here, if he's making an exaggeration to using exaggeration to make a point, then maybe the judgment will take place on earth. So the answer to this question, where will it take place? The Bible is not clear. It will either be on the earth or as some have said, if heaven and earth have literally passed away, it will be outside the universe. It will be someplace where we don't even know where it is. But in somewhere in God's great world, this judgment will take place. But we don't know for sure where it will happen. Now, question number three, who will be the judge? Look back again at verse number 11. This verse is loaded. He said, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. Now, the question is, who is the him? 
Who is the person seated on the great white throne? Well, most of us would say this is God. And by that, we would mean this is God the Father. Again, we think of God the Father, and He is today, seated on the great throne in heaven. But the Him being referred to here is not God the Father. It is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will be the one seated on the great white throne, and He'll be uh, making all judgments. Let me give you a verse. Don't take my word for that, but let me give you a verse. In John chapter 5, in verse 22, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus said, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. And so at the great white throne judgment, Jesus is judging, and he's judging those who have never been saved. And it makes sense that Jesus would judge because he is judging those who have rejected him as Lord and Savior. But again, the verse in John 5, 22 makes it incredibly clear. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. All future judgment will be done by Jesus Christ. At the judgment seat of Christ, those of us who have been saved, immediately after the rapture, we will appear before Christ. He will judge us by our lives, by our works. It has nothing to do with sin. It will be a judgment to reward us if we have been found faithful. Jesus will do that. A thousand years later, after the millennium, at the great white throne, here sits Jesus, and now he's judging unsaved people. And in this judgment, one of the things he will be doing is determining the degree of punishment in hell. Just like there are degrees of rewards in heaven, there will be degrees of punishment in hell. And we're going to get into that next week. That's why I wanted to wait. But nonetheless, the point here is that Jesus Christ will be the judge. Now, question number four, who will be there? Who will he be judging? Now, it won't be us. It won't be those of us who have been saved because that's not, uh, we're not going to be judged for our sins. Jesus was judged for our sins. Let me give you another verse. I want to read it to you, but just jot it down. In John chapter 5 and in verse number 24, listen to what Jesus said. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. And so for those of us who were saved, we have passed from death into life. We will not come into judgment. Talking about the great white throne judgment. Talking about judgment for sins. Because our sins were judged when Jesus died on the cross. Remember this. Every sin that has ever been committed by any person in any age must be judged. And that sin, those sins, will either be judged and punished by Jesus' death on the cross, or if people reject that, they will have to pay for their own sins in an eternity in hell. It's just that simple. But every sin must be punished. And so when we think about who will be there, the short answer to that question is, unsaved people will be there. Now look in verse number 12. John is having this vision. He has described this throne. We know that it is Jesus seated on this throne. It is an awesome scene. But in verse 12, he's telling us now who it is that will be judged. He said, and I saw the dead, talking about the spiritually dead, those of us who were saved were alive in Christ. <laughs> those of us who have, those, those people who have never been saved, God describes them in the Bible as dead. They're spiritually dead. They're alive physically, 
But they're dead men walking. They're dead women walking. They're spiritual. They have no spiritual life. And he said, I saw the dead, small and great. That is the big shot and the little shot, the known and the unknown. The person who's made a name for himself and the person who has never been heard of. Listen how one writer describes this. Both the small and the great of this life, as men view other men, will be there. The banker and the beggar, the prince and the pauper, the statesman, the scientist, the lawyer, the doctor, the professor, the author, the mechanic, the housewife, the bricklayer, the farmer, and the criminal. In this life, men have station. By that he means position and rank. But before Christ, there will be no respect of persons. God is no respecter of persons. God is not impressed by somebody's position or rank. Although they, they will stand there in mass, they will be judged individually. And so it is a sea of humanity at this judgment, and yet each will be judged individually for rejecting Christ and also for how they have lived their life. The dead refers to unsaved people, spiritually dead. Now remember, when an unsaved person dies, the grave has the body, but a place called Hades has the soul. We've talked about that before. When a Christian dies, if I drop dead right now, what's going to happen to me? Well, my body's going to fall on this platform. And it's going to freak everybody out, right? It's going to scare you to death if that happens right now. But if that should happen, I hope it doesn't. Lord, please don't let it happen right now. But if it should happen, don't worry about me. Because before my body hits the ground, my soul will be safe in the arms of God. I'll be in heaven. I'll be in paradise. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. But how about an unsaved person? What happens when an unsaved person dies? Well, their body goes to the grave, but their soul goes immediately to a place called Hades. We learn this in Luke chapter 16. Hades is not hell. It is like a pre-hell. It is the hell people go to before they go to the permanent and the final hell. It is like a state pen- it is like the county jail, whereas hell is like the state penitentiary. It is a place of punishment and agony. But at this great white throne judgment, what will happen is all the people who are unsaved, whose souls are in Hades, and whose bodies are in the grave, their bodies will be resurrected, and those resurrected bodies will be reunited with those souls that will be brought up from Hades, just like at the rapture of the church, our bodies will be resurrected, brought out of the grave. If we're living at the time of the rapture, our bodies will be transformed into the image of Jesus. We'll get our resurrected body at that moment. But here, after the millennium, unsaved people, their bodies will come up out of the grave. Their souls will be brought out of Hades. Their souls and their bodies will be reunited. And in that resurrected body, they will stand before Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment. So it is an awesome, awesome scene. That resurrection will not take place until after the millennium is over. Now, the question is, who will be here? And I've already given you the short answer. Unsaved people will be there. You say, John, do you ever worry that maybe you'll end up at the great white throne judgment? After all, it's for sinners and we've all sinned. You're not going to be in heaven just because you're a minister or a preacher. Do you ever worry or wonder that you might appear at the great white throne judgment? 
I can tell you this in answer to that question. I used to. All those years that I didn't have the full assurance of my salvation, this was what ate my lunch. Worrying, will I be at the great white throne judgment? And worse than that, will I eventually end up in hell? That's a, that's a paralyzing fear. But if you ask me today, John, do you worry about appearing at the great white throne judgment? My answer to that question is no, I don't. And I'll tell you why. I have settled my case out of court. I have pled guilty. And I have said to God, guilty is charged. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus has said to me, whoever believes on Christ shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Do I worry about appearing at the great white throne judgment? No, I don't. Because I've settled out of court. And I'm saying to you today, if you don't have the full assurance of your salvation, this is serious business. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to settle out of court and to make your peace with God. With heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, those watching online in the privacy of your home, I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. We call it the sinner's prayer because you have to admit that you're a sinner in order to be saved. As my dad mentioned a moment ago in the first service, there were eight or nine people who prayed this prayer and then stood confessing their faith in Jesus. And in my heart of hearts, I believe that in this service, somebody is going to be saved. Maybe, hopefully several somebodies are going to be saved. I can say this. It, this, may, this may be the, the exception. But in my preaching career, in my preaching ministry, I cannot ever recall preaching a sermon on the great white throne judgment where somebody did not get saved. And we saw it this morning, and I believe we're going to see it again. Pray this prayer if you want to know for sure that your sins are forgiven. Say this. Say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. Tell him that. I trust you, Jesus, to save me and to keep me from the great white throne and to keep me out of hell and to deliver me to heaven, God. I trust you. I plead guilty, God, to the charges against me. I have sinned. I have fallen short. And today, God, I have no alibi. I have no excuse. I have no defense. I have no justification. God, today, I throw myself on your mercy. And I want to settle this case out of court. Forgive me, Jesus. Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Amen. For those of you who have just prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you. In fact, the Bible tells us that the angels are rejoicing in heaven over your decision. Please share your decision with us by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Again, that's 1-800-337-0157. We hope that today's message, The Great White Throne Judgment, has been a blessing to you. You can find this message along with the other messages in John's Revelation series on our website, www.peacebybelieving.org under the broadcast tab. 
To watch videos of John's series on the book of Revelation from the beginning, simply go to www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. Again, that's www.fbp.org forward slash revelation. If you would like to grow in your relationship with the Lord, we have some resources that we believe will help you. Simply look for the booklets tab on peacebybelieving.org. The booklet, In the Twinkling of an Eye, is a great companion study to go along with John's message from today. We would love for you to keep up with us on social media. We invite you to like Peace by Believing Ministries on Facebook and follow at PBB underscore broadcast on Twitter. And don't forget to share and to tell your family and friends about Peace by Believing. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond as he continues his message on the Great White Throne Judgment.